Welcome to Love Through It. I'm your host, Liana Nielsen, a former actress and comedian turned integrative nutrition health coach. I ended up here after spending my 20s getting sick and then healing from an undiagnosable autoimmune condition, depression, anxiety, and an eating disorder when doctors were no help. Combining both traditional and alternative methods, I found healing through a deeper mind-body connection. On this podcast, I'll share conversations with friends, experts, and clients on how they love through their biggest challenges to build lives and bodies they love. Let's do this. Okay, guys, I am so excited. I honestly have no idea how I charmed my way into a free hour of this man's life, Um, but (laughs) I would love to introduce you to Dr. Jack Crindler or Kreindler? Kreindler. Kreindler. All right. I always butcher that stuff. (laughs) He is the well-founded founder and CEO. He is a physician, a researcher, an explorer, an honorary research fellow, fellow in computational modeling for public health at Imperial College. He is an explorer and an extreme environments researcher and has an academic interest in computational modeling for predicting and improving public health. Since 1999, he's been innovating in human health, human performance, and human flourishing for the workplace, extreme environments, and clinical settings. In 2007, he founded the Center for Health and Human Performance in London. He speaks internationally very well. I've been watching TED Talks all day on the future of medicine, healthy longevity, human flourishing, and medical technology. And then in my research, I also found all of these amazing things like he has been skiing in the South Pole for science. I don't know. I'm going to have to ask you about this. Seven marathons <laughs> on seven continents in three and a half days. Oh, you've I been also doing your homework. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cage fighting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. For science. For science. Yeah. For science. Cage fighting for science was the best reason oh. to do it. <laughs> Oh, you but, have definitely done your homework. That oh, I have. Cool. You, I, I want to also add, because, uh, you know, I was an actress for many years. You are such an amazing storyteller. You are a comedian. You are such an entertainer. I was like, wait, I need more of these TED Talks. These are so great. And I fell in love with you when you started your most recent one, talking about The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy oh. and how you worked with Douglas Adams, which again, Mm. we might have to touch on, but I want to start, I'm going to bring it back a little further because I found an interview where someone was asking you, if you hadn't chosen medicine, what would you do? And you said Mm. you would be sitting on the banks of the Grand Canal in Venice, painting beautiful domes made by architects who are your heroes. Mm. I'm not actually a scientist. I am an artist. I studied art probably with more passion than any science I did as well. How did you end up here? Yeah, good question. Good question. Um, Well, I think you can largely blame my 25-year-now medical career on my mum, who was ferociously upset on the thought that I might go to art school after her sacrifices and my father's um, to send me to a, to, to, to a very expensive school in London only to become a, a, you know, just an artist. When of course all of my great heroes are all artists and designers and, you know, the likes of Johnny Ive, I think have been far more impactful and successful than I ever will be. But um, anyway, so I thought, what can I do that wouldn't uh, make my parents upset? And I thought, well, you know, um, yeah, there's art, and I guess you can. Uh, so, well, rather, rather, there's 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 science and there's medicine, and uh, art can always be added, you know, to the mix. And it kind of that's that's what I've ended up doing is kind of merging the creative uh, with the clinical. 
I mean, it's so inspirational what you're doing. And a lot of what it seems that you're doing, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a lot of research around extreme environments. And I'd love to talk about what drew you there. I mean, going to Antarctica, doing these studies, I watched some video where you were, you had two, um, two iPhones together with a hand warmer because it was going to be cold. That was interesting. Um, well, uh, look, I've always been interested in extreme environments. I don't, I'm not really sure why. I, I guess I've always had a love for mountains. And from, from literally age three or four years old, I've always dreamt of, um, you know, climbing mountains. And then I, I read the Shackleton story uh, when I was 13. And, you know, obviously then Sir Ernest Shackleton became a, a huge, and, and the whole kind of story about the endurance um, expedition, uh, not that it was a success in terms of reaching or crossing the Antarctica, but it, more in terms of just what a great, demonstration of humanity and survival and and uh, camaraderie it was and um and endurance for that matter and and I, they're, they're, then then for the next 35 years uh, i i was you know dreaming of standing at that point that they'd always wished to stand on and many people have tried to as well and uh, so extreme environments have always been very very close to my heart uh, but uh, clearly uh, going to somewhere as um beautiful and distant um and austere as as the south pole is not something that i would just do without actually learning uh, what happens to human beings and um a, a great deal of what i've done um has always ended up being but can we do some science can we can we work can, like so, so uh, there's always there's always been or when we've been, we we're doing some science it's always been well, can we do it in a really extreme way you know uh, and and it turns out to be a really cool thing because when you put human beings through extremes, you then get to learn how it's not just healthy people might react to using an iPhone at minus 50 degrees, um, uh, hence needing those hand warmers, <laughs> to, to, which are sandwiched by two iPhones just to keep them working. Um, uh, but, but also you start to understand how the body works in extremes, like if you're in intensive care or recovering from chemotherapy um, or just, you know, within the process of, of aging as, as there are fewer and fewer good working bits, you know, your body is essentially in, in an extreme environment. And so it's not just for fun. It's not just for the drama and it's not just for the ability to then attract really great generous sponsors who also want to join you in very, very weird parts of the world. Um, it is actually because you can translate that to um, very important things in medicine. That is such an interesting, cool and exciting way to explore that, right? When I, when I started reading about what you were doing, I was like, what a beautiful and goes back to you being an artist, right? Like what a beautiful way of looking at the body and how to push it, you know, to extremes or understand mm. it. And I got really excited about what you're doing with Well-Founded because, you know, I was formerly an actress for many years. I got very sick and mm. I didn't re it happened slowly over time. Right. So I didn't realize how much the brain fog, the slight mm. depression, the anxiety increasing, mm. the, you know, it was a, a lot of stuff in my gut that was affecting my brain, sure. affecting how I felt in my body, started to slowly affect not only my, you know, my energy and my performance, but my, my brain and how I showed up and, and my anxiety, mm. my, my ability to be creative. So when I got into nutrition, just as a way to sort of save my own life, 
one of the first things I started to do with these parallel careers was I created nutrition for performance and I was teaching in a conservatory. Right. But I remember when I, once I put this together and I was like lecturing at NYU a little bit, I was like, wait, this is not just for actors. This is for everyone. <laughs> yeah, what you put exactly. in your body profoundly affects your output. I'd love to talk about what you're doing with Well-Founded because I got so excited. I was like, wait, I've been interested mm -hmm. in this in the past like, 15 years. And again, as someone, your body was your business, right? But everyone's that way. It's absolutely. It's a new phenomenon um, that people in the extreme environment of startups, which is also an extreme environment, believe it or not, um, have accepted that they should be open and do something about what is, you know, really bad for their health. I mean, basically starting businesses and growing businesses is not brilliant for your body and mind um, in some ways, whilst in other ways, it's the most exhilarating, awesome expedition you could ever be asked to join. Um, uh, so well-founded was actually something that I kind of thought about as a founder, you know, for many, many years. I mean, I've, I've been a founder of companies, I think, before I was really properly qualified as a doctor even. So, you know, this is my, my kind of work in, in, in the tech area and in startup has uh, it, it exceeds the amount of time um, that I've been, you know, practicing medicine. And I've lived through burning the candle at all three ends, um, knowing what it feels like, knowing its impact, somehow surviving and thriving and trying to work out, like, how can we use these sorts of elements of extreme environments, medicine, survival, elite sport, um, the kind of stuff that we teach, you know, special ops folk. Um, can we actually give this to people like me 25 years ago or people like yourself or any sort of fast moving people? And uh, at the time I was working at a really cool place called Mosaic Ventures as their sort of health tech venture partner, helping them understand, you know, what's, uh, what's hot or not in, um, in health tech and um, a brilliant man called Toby Coppola different um, who's also a, a fantastic um, uh, example of how you work incredibly hard and also look after your body and brain um, he said look hey why don't you do the stuff that you've been doing for you know el elites and um, you know, military and, and uh, people doing extreme stuff and VIPs and stuff C can you do this for founders and so we asked a hundred founders do you think that a comprehensive, let's say, six-month program of um, medical and physiological checking and then um, elite human performance science uh, coaching and the kind of stuff that you do, which is the, the whole sort of health behavior change, nutritional, uh, holistic, naturopathic even, um, uh, coaching at the same time as that, um, can we do that for you? And would you like to do it? And and before COVID, they all said no. <laughs> no, they did. It was remarkable. I said, why? Go, if we if we admit that we've got massive mental health issues and are falling apart physically and just basically can't cope most of the time, which is the vast majority of um, uh, of folk, our investors yep. our investors would be absolutely terrified, and so would our staff and and it would just not work anyway this magical thing called covid happened which you know despite it being awful in so many ways um immediately after you know lockdown finished everyone came back to us saying hey you know remember that well-founded thing you were talking about I said yeah um well i think it would be really cool if we could do this and and and, and suddenly this 
literal tsunami of interest from VCs wanting to sponsor their entire portfolio has uh, has happened uh, since January. Um, now, obviously, Mosaic Ventures basically helped us develop this and, and rolled it out mm-hmm. first. But um, we've all, since January, we've been now in 75 companies, which is really remarkable. And, and quite honestly, the world has changed. Now, if you're a founder or CEO of a, of a cool startup, no one's going to join your company unless you've got a public profile which announces your vulnerabilities and mental health concerns. <laughs> it, it, it's totally changed. You know, who's going to join a company where you don't have that kind of vulnerability? Because the reality is it's there, okay? And, you know, we, we fast-moving people, entrepreneurial people, people that want to make a difference, they are going to sacrifice mm-hmm. some things for their mission and their business. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, something has to give. And we've learned a lot of how to do this in for different people who've had tons of resources so why not do it for people that haven't got so many resources mm-hmm. so anyway we 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 work uh, well founded and well funded we um we've now had 75 founders or ceos go through the program and uh, well we'll publish the data pretty soon but it's transformational actually uh, i mean it's not it's not difficult stuff it's the same stuff as you do but um mm-hmm. may, maybe with a bit more of the kind of medicine physiology and performance science stuff kind of uh, woven in but yeah it's simple stuff with big results well i was so excited because i looked at you know i looked at what was going into it and i i cannot wait to see what these results are because just little old me you know i kind of had during the pandemic that same sort of idea where i just had all of these clients coming to me that were having both physical and mental health crisis and mm. you know the whole world was really afraid and because of my journey with autoimmune with you know and then acting right so i looked at i had spent so many years having to manage my anxiety and manage Mm -hmm. my brain, right. With auditions and, and Mm -hmm. understanding like in high, you know, high stakes scenarios in front of a bunch of, you know, you go in for 15 executives of Warner brothers. You're like, okay, I have to keep it together. So you had to, I had to understand my mental health part of it, but then through my healing journey and getting really sick and depression, anxiety, and coming back from that, I had a lot of different tools and I was like, okay, what if I put, Everything I learned from nutrition school with everything I learned from my journey, from healing mm-hmm. from autoimmune disease to learning how to manage my brain through, I did a lot of like meditation work yeah. and studying that. Yes. And then really looking at the embodiment work I got in conservatory. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. starting to really listen to my body signals and pay attention and not just listen to my brain and the program that I put together, I just kind of thought, you know, it might be weird. I don't know if anyone will sign up. And all of a sudden I had this influx, a couple of years of all of these women coming to me and just me, I saw profound results. So when I saw what you were doing, I was like, this is like me on steroids with all kinds of experts. You're going to yeah. change the world. Well, You're absolutely going to change the world. We're, we're, we're going to help a few people that are changing the world. I think, you know, if we can maybe help a thousand of the top startups, then we can sort of instantiate exactly what you're talking about into the very DNA of the company as it's small mm-hmm. and, you know, not, not end up just being a retrofit uh, employee benefit, but actually getting companies and their investors to realize the enormous benefits to both. You know, I mean, basically you end up being a cooler person to work for and to, yeah. to help grow companies with. Um, you end up being a better human being with, you know, outside of work and, you know, just going back to your point about creativity, you just become more creative when you yeah. are optimized, optimized for uh, the peak you. 
Um, and also, you know, there's another thing about it, which I think is very, very cool. And that is that there is a lot of company culture documents that we see, but do they really, do they really capture well-founded values? You know, are those really being lived unless the person at the very top, and I would even argue, unless the people on top of the people who are on top, Mm -hmm. i.e. the investors are living and breathing this um, and not just, you know, contributing a little bit in order to say, hey, we're a really cool investor that looks after people's health. Are they actually doing it? Like a lot of our investors are members of our VIP, you know, uh, programs, if you like, our kind of more concierge stuff, um, which of course is kind of outside most of the price bracket that a founder can afford. But um, if everyone is doing it, you genuinely see this trickle down and we didn't know whether there would be, you know, proper output uh, in terms of data. Uh, but thus far, we're kind of looking at the following. Okay, you are. How can I say? Don't quote me on this when this is a podcast. And you're absolutely, <laughs> and you're absolutely going to quote me on it. Okay, guys, so, he didn't okay. say this. He didn't say this. Okay, so I, 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 this, this is this is to be confirmed. Okay, okay, uh, but we we are talking about seventy five folk who either completely gone through or very nearly gone through the program. Um, and we are seeing, this is busy people, by the way. It turns out that being either a busy actress or being a startup founder, you're busy, right? You don't, yep. <laughs> you don't have a lot of time to, for some Muppet called Dr. Jack to come along or his team and say, hey, do you want to spend an awful lot of time working on yourself? Um, <laughs> uh, you, you know, it usually is, uh, right. Okay, but the, we, we've had we've had first of all first of all um, over eighty percent of uh, folk um, of the companies that it, that are introduced to the program usually by their VCs by, by their investors mm-hmm. they kind of say hey you should do this it's anonymous it's private but we'll half pay for it you know give it a go eighty um, percent in the first few months pick it up others are too busy they're going through funding rounds they're folding they're doing different. So first of all, that's pretty good. But we're also seeing um, 80% of the programs being, this is a six month program, okay, Mm -hmm. with busy people, some of which do not know what this is particularly about, nor do they think they've got time for it. But there's an 80% completion rate, wow, which is really cool for a complex, demanding um, plan, six month program. And the results are, you know, generally you get your X many, you know, stars out of five or whatever it is, you know. Um, but what's more important, I think, um, it are the number of extraordinary responders. You know, you know, like in, in, in cancer treatment, you have these things called enigmatic, extraordinary responders, eerie, eerie people, we call them. They're kind of folk who completely outlive the curves of, mm-hmm. of survival, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. EERs. Um, so I call them eerie, eerie folk, um, right? So, um, so like about it. so about twenty percent. That's one in five people have a transformational experience in terms of they they call us up and you can read the quotes on the website. We haven't made them. Oh, up. I did. Oh, I did. And it's shocking. It's kind of like 
you were responsible for helping me sell my company or raise my yes. round of money or, or, or survive yes. when I thought I was literally going to fold and, and have to leave. It is very interesting. And maybe we're lucky and maybe they just like uh, like the folk and they're giving good quotes. Who knows? But uh, the proof will be in the pudding where in a few years' time, maybe we'll actually see a delta in the profitability of those companies and the success mm-hmm. of those companies somehow financially. Um, but uh, so far, so good. I have no doubt because I've been doing my program, which is three months and not nearly as comprehensive as what you're doing. And in over two years, this, the stories just alone, like, and I, I have, you know, clients that come in and all their values go down in terms of like things like cholesterol and inflammatory markers and all that yeah, weight, yeah, yeah, yeah. inflammation. But on the other side of it, I, you know, have moms who come back and they're like, you know, I didn't just lose weight and feel better and have mental clarity and better sleep and all the things, but both my kids who didn't do it, but just by watching me and my habits change, lost weight, got better grades, and we stopped fighting or they stopped fighting. You know, mm. like I get these crazy, like it, and what you'll start to see is this has such a ripple effect, mm, right? So true. it'll go yeah. on so much, not just to everyone in the company, but everyone in their lives. And it's just really interesting to see, cause I've seen it over and over. Like people will, will tell me the craziest things where it's like, I had this one, oh, she was almost 70. And after doing my program two times, told me that it was the first time she didn't hate herself in her life. Mm. And she literally, like her thoughts started to change and she started to recognize the way she spoke to herself. And that changed her medical values and her inflammation and inflammation. Well, I mean, who knows? But alongside of that, she had a lot of changes. So I, I'm so excited for what you're doing. I think this That's is going to be- kind. It's very kind of you. I, I, you know, we are both in, we're both in the same sphere. I, I mean, basically- what, what we're doing is very, very specific to startup founders in this particular project. Yeah. But I think, you yeah. know, there are many professionals like us who understand this, this domain beyond the fixing of a problem or just the prevention of a, you know, a, a standard health risk biomarker like blood pressure. And by gluing it together, you know, by in, in, our, in, in our particular flavor of this, we're gluing together this, sort of concept of elite performance science. It's not the same as exec coaching, but it, it's just elite performance science applied to executives uh, with mm-hmm. the kind of skills that you yourself um, are expert in. And um, yeah, kind of just knowing and being empathetic towards this sphere of people who are, you know, I mean, having lived it, you can also be more empathetic. And I think that's also part of the therapeutic process, actually. But mm-hmm. I was going to say, in fact, that we never like talking about stuff really until we're, we've actually got data. So we've been very quiet about well-founded. Uh, it was only mm-hmm. because of some news from one of the first VCs that, you know, um, that deployed the program to their portfolio, uh, that it was, was all in the news and et cetera, et cetera. And anyway, and then I also just spoke to you a little bit about it. Obviously you've been doing some digging. So, so this is actually, this is actually the first podcast that we've done where, where we've, where we've talked about it, but it's actually inspired me, um, to do some interviews. I'm not sure if we're actually going to do a proper podcast, but, um, yeah, this week, thanks to you and the inspiration, um, uh, Simon, Simon Beckerman, uh, from Delhi, a very, very well-known entrepreneur. He'll be talking about his actual experience and, and we have about half a dozen, um, people who've been on the program talk about it. So it'd be interesting to hear from them, uh, personally, what changed and and the key thing for me as well is is not just 
how the change happened, what happened in the change, but how to keep it going and how to Mm -hmm. make it, as Mm -hmm. you say, kind of spread. Uh, How can we Mm -hmm. create that kind of chain reaction so that the whole company um, can live and breathe these kinds of uh, values? It will make for a better company, I'm pretty sure. I have no doubt. Just, and this is anecdotal from my now eight, oh yeah, going on, well, 10 years in this field and Mm. eight years with my own business. It was, I just lost my mind, but I was like, this is so exciting. Um, And also we can cut anything you want out and we can also release this when you prefer, if if, you know what I mean? So don't worry. No, no, no. I'm super cool. Okay. 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 This is absolutely great. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. Good, 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 good. Um, So speaking of all of this, because you've done, you know, you've been a doctor for a number of years. You've done so many interesting studies. This is such a cool new project you have. You, you work so much in the field of human flourishing. So what would you, what are your guidelines, right? At this point, you know, just personally what you've seen with science, what, you know, whatever, what are your guidelines to really enhance the state of human flourishing? Well, I think. Just a small question. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I think it's, um, I think that's a, that's probably a topic for a whole book, I imagine. But look, I, I, I would say that the the domain of longevity as it's now kind of being called can i make a small detour into the longevity Um, yes yes please do because i think it's the same thing right well on some level it is i mean okay first of all i think that um we have to be humble about longevity. Some people's longevity is only going to be 150 days from now and others Mm -hmm. is going to be 150 years from now. Okay. Um, And I think we just, first of all, have to acknowledge that and, and just be grateful that whatever, however long we've got that, Mm -hmm. that we try to do the best with it, make the most of it, and um yeah it's it, you know like a lot of people in our space maybe um more on the health side don't actually deal with the stuff when it really hits the fan okay mm-hmm. and we regularly do pick up the pieces for when you know uh, other um practices that, that that try to help us uh, you know not age forever <laughs> um you know, say, I'm sorry, but we, you guys need to see some serious doctors. So, um, we, uh, we, we, we need to be humble about that. Now, however long you've got, whatever you're doing, you know, if you're a founder and you're working your ass off, um, trying to, I don't know, create nuclear fusion or, um, you know, you're a very busy, uh, mum of four and, you know, uh, it, it doesn't really, really matter. Um, mm-hmm. y- you, you need, I think, to focus less about the number of years in your life, but the amount of life in your years. And, and so mm-hmm. uh, it, mm-hmm. this is a roundabout way of coming to answer your question, which is that I think we ought to focus both as a profession uh, 
and an industry, I suppose, you know, because we're talking about pharma and stuff like this here as well, pharma, mm-hmm. pharmaceutical industry, mm-hmm. but also just generally a society in, in, in worrying less about how long we live for, but actually what what do we what do we leave and what do we build and what do we learn mm-hmm. from the time we've got and um you need to be in a great state of body and mind uh, as as best possible in order to do that and so mm-hmm. but it, it turns out that in in having a great state of body and mind through uh, through through good healthy living and and all the other hacks that are slowly emerging and all the good medicine that that we've developed and and are um, and are developing that you could actually live a longer life right uh, in, in health too so it, it's all a virtuous circle but i would say you know and i i guess accidentally uh, this has sort of become my um raison d'etre as well which is you know, make the most of the time you've got. If you're going to practice medicine for your career and, you know, then make it interesting, make it fun, try to learn Mm -hmm. stuff, make a mark. Um, Doesn't necessarily have to be big global impact, but can just be on on an individual. But Mm -hmm. yeah, so I hope that that gives you a small flavor of uh, what I ought to really write a book about, I suppose. (laughs) Um, yeah, making the most of it. Human flourishing, I think, is very much about um, making the most of the time that you have. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And just bringing it back to gratitude, right, mm. is such a, a beautiful practice to have daily. Well, speaking, I mean, you, you mentioned it, so I'm going to bring this up. Yeah. Because the reason I went... We we met at a party and he started talking about his theory on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I was like, I love this man. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. You need I need you on my podcast. I need you because everything you're saying is so aligned to everything that you know I've found on my healing journey that I've worked with with clients for many years. Mm. But I love 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 this concept. Do you mind sharing <laughs> your sex, drugs, and rock? Sure, and sure. Okay. So right, this this very much. Um, points to you know like the secrets of of longevity or healthy living so Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i I was i was once asked on stage um in a rather prestigious conference somewhere um after all the great and the good on stage they were asked about their uh, magical secrets to longevity and i I remember being asked um uh mine and i said well i'm 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 50 next year and uh, I've been living on a strict diet of sex, drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and it was uh, obviously, obviously there was uh, the, the, the previous goodness knows how long uh, many minutes of very serious talk um, was, uh, <laughs> was met with a, with a little chuckle from the audience. Um, uh, but you know, I, I think that this is very serious stuff um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll um, doesn't need to literally be that. But if you look at any very healthy, older society, um, they don't actually live incredibly clean. You know, there, there's, a peculiar, yeah. there's a peculiar amount of... Um, of relatively bad habits. I mean, you know, there's there's more smoking than you'd imagine. There's more uh, uh, there's uh, there's a bit more drink than you'd, you'd think. Um, but but here's what they have. So starting with sex, I'm not talking about actual sex, but um, human contact and human intimacy. 
is mm-hmm. incredibly important. Releases oxytocin, which is a signaling hormone that you know that you have others around. It's a bonding hormone. It reminds you that you're bonded to others within a tribe. Like it, 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 it mm-hmm. is. Um, I, I suspect if we studied it, it would be directly associated with triggering um, certain uh, healing processes and restorative mm-hmm. processes that we need for longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, drugs doesn't need to be cocaine, but we need dopamine. We, we need mm-hmm. um, ikagai, which is the Japanese, uh, you know, basically don't retire always be doing stuff, getting those dopamine hits doesn't, you know, you don't need to change the world and go onto the New York stock exchange with your startup. It, it can be small things, but meaningful goals that you can achieve regularly. The dopaminergic response, um, again, kind of reminds the ourselves, reminds our body that we're still useful to the tribe, that we should still stay around mm-hmm. and rock and roll, you know, music, dance, um, embodiment practices, somatic connection to the world around you, to yourself, um, even you know meditations are part of that, and um, those kinds of non-dual practices like meditation mm-hmm. that kind of uh, disintegrate the self for a little while um, are really really important, um, and they're serotonergic. They create this this uh, uh, important neurohormone that. You know, we associate with states of peace, happiness, fulfillment, etc. And so we need sex, drugs, or alcohol role. We need oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin um, as actual vitamins. And in fact, I would rather have people filled, overdosed with oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin than overdosed with peptides and vitamins and, and uh, you know, various other uh, parabiotic effects or whatever because i do know that even if those things um which by the way no one who lives in okinawa or sardinia or icarus none of them the blue zones yeah, they're all about sex drugs and rock and roll and very few of them uh, take take the blood out of a young a young human and uh, spin it down and put it into themselves um but but you know if you are going to live long you've got to live with human connection and be happy you can't be old and miserable. Mm. It, it'll be a bad place if we had eight, 10 billion people who are old and miserable. So that's my sex, drugs, and rock and roll theory. Um, and, uh, you know, anyone listening, uh, that is uh, the copywritten name for my book. I don't think you can copyright sex, yes, drugs, and rock and yes. roll. Um, but interestingly, <laughs> interestingly um, there was something, I can't remember if it was in the Sunday Times or, or um, it was in a paper uh, recently uh, with a picture of Mick Jagger. And it said, you know, and it literally was him uh, saying, Mick Jagger's now, I don't know, how old is he now? Something like 80 or something ridiculous. I, I, yeah. I, um, and, and he just looks so good. It, it was, the, the headline was something, on, I'm paraphrasing now, was like, you know, this, this, is, this is the way to, to live, live strong and live well till, till, till 80. It's, it, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, okay, maybe he's an outlier. But um, I, think, <laughs> I, I, I think these are vitally important. Anyone in our sphere needs to remind themselves continuously about these three vital ingredients. It's not the only thing, but they are absolutely critical. And without them, I think uh, we're missing a trick. Absolutely. And I, when I was really battling with my health journey when I was younger, I remember I'm quite sensitive 
And I would notice changes like when I was happier in what I was doing or in love, whenever I was in love, I'd lose weight. You know, I would like notice these different things. And I was like, how come I can't really control? I, you know, I had an eating disorder (laughs) back in the day. I was like, I can't really control how I feel or my body. Like, I don't understand. But then when I'm super happy, everything looks great and feels great and works well. Mm -hmm. My digestion is good. But when I'm stressed, you know, none of this stuff is working. And it was funny because... I, the nutrition school, mm-hmm. when I became a health coach, I remember they got me because they were talking about the idea of primary foods and secondary foods and primary foods being, you know, your purpose, your relationships, right. spirituality, whatever well, that means to you and movement. You've got it. That's it. Those are the three. If you can map those to neurohormones. So, uh, right. yeah, it's uh, super interesting. Primary foods of, uh, yeah, that's, um, and you can't, that's, I think the key thing is, is that, it's very, very hard to artificially create those things. You have yeah. to get them through yeah. just living life well. Human flourishing is is very much bound um, to those three things. Yeah. And it just was interesting because they would go on to talk about like when one of those areas was out of balance, it would manifest in cravings and addictions and secondary foods. So things like drugs or mm. alcohol or junk yeah. food or sugar, you would find yourself gravitating towards that to fix these mm-hmm. other areas of your life. So early on, I was like, oh, health and like the idea of health is not just you know, calories or exercising, but it's the big picture of your community and your relationships and, and how you spend your time, how you speak to yourself. So I think it's so, it's so exciting that you're taking all this science and all this expertise and really giving so many people who are going to be so influential in the world, these, this understanding of health and these habits. I, I, it just makes me so excited just because of the journey I've been on personally and what I've seen. Um, I want to pivot a little bit because we are in this, you know, you work a lot with tech and I think it's incredibly helpful, but we are also in this time where there's so many opportunities for testing, for supplementation. And I see people, it's this fine line of, you know, being overly focused on that versus like not really Mm. listening to your body. I'd love to hear you just speak to how you look at that and how you approach that stuff. Because I think it's helpful, but I think it also can be problematic. It's an interesting one because it's hard to productize teaching people how to connect with themselves and this kind of somatic embodiment stuff. Um, I mean, you can, but you can't scale it. You know, you can, you, you, uh, you could argue that Headspace, for instance, um, who have mm-hmm. done a fantastic job of taking something normally would require, you know, small classes or a guru or a temple or some kind of retreat and turned that kind of practice into something that's cool and fun and non-denominational, you know, and, and it's, it's scaled, which is pretty phenomenal but in general um you know a lot of these practices where it's well put it this way teaching people where you require time is different to um having a price list with a bunch of really cool named things like egfr or hb or rdw or you know other things that people would know like b12 or iron or whatever and then saying if you test all of these we're going to find out how to fix you with these other lists of things that you can buy like iron under your tongue. Um, or, or no, no, by the way, I, I'm being, I'm being a bit silly because you, you know, the fact that we've got 
the kind of diagnostic testing at our fingertips that um, mm-hmm. was previously the only affordable, really, um, if you were inside a big hospital or if you're in a science lab. And, you know, now you can go anywhere and just get the most incredible stuff done. I mean, you think about it, you can get your whole genome sequenced for bonkers amounts of like, like almost zero. Um, it's, it's crazy. Uh, Epigenetic testing for these kind of biological clocks. You've got, you've got things that you would 10, 15 years ago, it would cost you however many thousand pounds per, per day or per formula one race to strap onto your body that would measure your heart rate and heart rate variability and accelerometry and blah, blah, blah. And now you just, you know, stick on a little aura ring and you've got, well, I know it's not quite lab grade, but it's pretty remarkable stuff over 10 days off one charge. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's be really grateful for our ability to have direct access versus being, you know, someone in NASA or DARPA or, or, uh, you know, um, Cedars Sinai Mm -hmm. hospital. It's cool. That said, just relying on external data only reinforces the, um, the, the paucity of knowledge about oneself from your mm-hmm. own um, signaling that is profound and really um, we need to learn how to connect to. There's, there's, no, there's, there's mm-hmm. no substitute today for being able to feel the signature of it's it, there are literal bioelectric neural and non-neural networks that are feeding ourselves uh, with with information and re, re, uh, recording and and um and recounting what is what is happening to different parts of our body um and if we lose track of that sense those those you know extra extra subtle pattern recognitions um esp if you want to call it that um then you know we're missing one of the best laboratories the best diagnostic laboratories that we've got the the ultimate is to combine the two you know um how mm-hmm. many people mm-hmm. walk around with an astonishingly happy life and then suddenly get hit by one cell out of 30 trillion misbehaving and becoming a you know a very mm-hmm. bad cancer, for instance, when we can now spot things through, you know, full body diffusion MRI, we've got some of the, you know, the early circulating tumor uh, DNA tests, you know, th- those avoiding asteroids like that is pretty handy. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you are right. Mm-hmm. Um, not listening to our bodies and uh, not learning how to really recognize when, for instance, we're stressed or sleep deprived mm-hmm. or yes. angry mm-hmm. um, or in need of a break or um, worthy of communicating with somebody else about how you're feeling and sharing you, for instance. Um, yeah, we need to, mm-hmm. we need a bit of retraining there. Oh, that, yes, I agree with all of that. And it is amazing how accessible so much of this information is. And it, I don't know. It's we're at a very cool, cool space in time when it comes yeah. to health. Um, so to bring this back to you a little bit, right? Um, and I'm a big proponent of bioindividuality, which is why I think people need to really listen and learn to pay, ten- mm. pay, pay attention to their bodies and how they feel and all of those things. The testing helps with that. But being someone who's privy to a lot of information, you see a lot, you work with a lot of people. What do you do? <laughs> 
to make yourself? What apart from what are your favorite uh, uh, things to do to take the, care of uh, yourself? The, the, the three alternatives to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> yes. But like simple things, you know, like, is it meditation? What types of, what do you like to eat? What are you doing to I, I, move your body? Let's look at it. Let's look at it. Chrono- it's, it's a very good question. I think that uh, part of uh, my being is to uh, achieve um, personal goals and, and, and be there for people to serve people. I think as a result of being, um, mm-hmm a service provider. And I mean that in a, it really in, in the strictest sense, which is that I, I feel best. My, my, my dopamine, my dopaminergic drive, my serotonergic <laughs> result, um, and my feeling of joy uh, and connection with people comes from serving, you know, from problem solving and serving. And, mm. and, and that is, um, perhaps why my mum was right when she said you shouldn't just become an artist. Um, but you know, like, and medicine was a good fit for me. Um, it naturally can give mm-hmm. you that if you go about it in that way. And I, um, that comes at a, that comes at a cost actually the other. Um, and so mm-hmm. what I usually find is that when my fuel tank becomes ex- exhausted becomes depleted i notice a few mm-hmm. things and, and i mm-hmm. try to notice that when my lack of when my lack of humor gets even worse that's probably the right thing when when my sense of humor <laughs> when my when my sense of humor starts to fail when i find myself um you know wanting to go to bed earlier than bedtime when i mm-hmm. um when I, when i find that you know, my joy of things starts to go down. Like I'm learning the piano at the moment. I think it's great for neural plasticity. I mean, learning the piano at the age 47, um, uh, that was just two years ago, is a very bad move if you want to make fast progress. Let me just tell you that. But at the same time, it also makes it more (laughs) joyful because there is literally no way that I'll ever get to as good as I ever want to get. So it it, it leaves me with endless challenge, which is fantastic. But um, when I find that I actually don't want to practice today, or or, or moreover, where I find Mm -hmm. myself saying, I want to escape and just practice more. You know, I know that there's something that's that, mm. that I need to, um, maybe it's time for a holiday. Maybe it's time to look at, um, you know, just having a bit of detox digitally and just turning the phones off or speaking to my colleagues and saying to them, hey, mm-hmm. um, I need a little bit of help. You know, there's there's a lot on and I hope you don't mind, but for a few hours I want to, I want to just try and, you know, go for a walk and do my meetings on the phone and stuff like this, or just switch off for a little bit. So um, I, I, I believe that when you are serving people or really burning the candle um, fast and hard, <laughs> um, you, your greatest threat to your health, your well-being, and your ability to be a nice human being to those you love and work with uh, is, is stress. Uh, what we're talking about right now is stress. It's 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 workload. It's life yeah. load. It's stress. Yeah. And so I haven't used the word stress till now because I think mm-hmm. it's an over, over overused word and not really well understood. But I've I've tried to describe mm-hmm. what stress is to me, and I'm sure it might echo with lots of other people. Okay, um, and mm-hmm. um, so so that is something which I which I'm very aware of, and um, I think I try to protect my sleep 
really well. I travel a lot. Unfortunately, I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, do I have to in this day and age? Um, I travel a lot for which across time zones, which also causes jet lag and being incredibly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, scientific and. Um, you know, biohackery uh, is is important when it comes down to uh, getting jet lag um, uh, out the way fast. Uh, is really important. So sleep to me is essential. It, it, it is to me, and many people have heard me say this on different uh, different formats. It, the, the most the most effective regenerative medicine clinic that you can visit today in the world is the one that you can visit every night for eight hours. Okay, so use it, use it, yes. use it. It doesn't cost a lot to buy the right mattress and the right blinds and the right, you know, white noise. Okay, um, there are lots of other fancy things you can do, but like, use your bed. It's a cool thing. Um, so, so, so that's it. And nutritionally, um, I'm, I'm pretty. I, I, I'm pretty good in terms of, you know, like the uh, the sort of not eating so much. So like the kind of Japanese rule of 80%, mm-hmm. I think is something which I naturally lean towards. Um, and, you know, being in mm-hmm. a kind of, being in a calorie deficit in so much as, you know, having burnt it to earn it, you know, like it almost doesn't matter what you, how much mm-hmm. you eat, mm-hmm. providing you've earned it to, you know, you've burnt it to earn it which I think is a really decent rule and that, 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 that mm-hmm. parallels to the evidence about uh, calorie restriction. Although we do need to be very careful about this because a lot of people are going into very strict ketogenic diets. Um, uh, I'm, I'm looking at something that was sent to me by a friend the other day, which is ketone ester powders. Uh, I, I, I am naturally in some form of ketosis every morning, um, you know, at breakfast because I'm fasting. Mm-hmm. You know, I should be fasted. That is what breakfast mm-hmm. is. You're breaking a fast. You should be ketogenic. So, w- why do, you, do I necessarily need to also enhance that with ketogenic stuff? Um, ketogenic enhancers. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. The evidence is um, is clear that it could be a good thing to do every every now and then. But I'm not obsessive about it. And um, and I think uh, anxiety mm-hmm. is uh, an obsession about getting everything right all the time. Um, will only lead to yes. an exponential amount of upset and disappointment when things do eventually go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't get it all right all the time. <laughs> I think sunshine is important. You know, you live in a part of the world that I think is uh, naturally blessed with more sunshine. Um, but, you know, generally being outdoors, being near the biome of the trees and the ocean um Mm-hmm. Being in a in, in less of a London environment, I would say, as uh, but I've purposefully <laughs> built my um, working environment, you know, in a place where I can only really see you know trees and um, not hear cars and so mm. forth, and that, that's a privileged position to be in. But um, it, it it all just sounds like I'm trying to uh, you know live in like a little house on the prairie somewhere um i, I i'm not I, I live life you know and work is very hard and and, and 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 really exciting and and so forth but i i think all of those things are tremendously important and um, obviously you know key to all of that is good relationships and i think you know we we may we we may spend a lot of money on blood tests and on um you know supplements but my goodness do we need to work harder on on uh, building up a um, a reserve of uh, of relationships that can 
really be there when you need. They are they are they are the the ultimate therapy for when things are are not going right. Um, and uh, yeah, that's something which I try to work hard on. Oh, that's beautiful. I I agree. I think their relationships are our biggest teachers and the biggest sources of joy, at least in my life. I, you know, building community is so important. Absolutely. Which is sort of how I ended up in Portugal because mm. I, you know, was. I was in London for a bit and I did love it. And it was funny. I lived in West Hampstead, so I yeah. wasn't far from the park. Yeah, very close to me. And as a... Oh, really? Yeah, I was born oh, in... I was I, born very close to West Hampstead Tube. <laughs> oh, yeah. ugh, I loved it. But it was so funny because I was a New Yorker for 14 years. And so living around there, I felt I felt like I did move to a little house on the bridge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, compared to Manhattan, that is the little house on the bridge, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so a quick, the, just random question. When you talked about fasting, do you just do a natural overnight fast or do you do a specific amount of time? No, just, look, do you find I, that? I think what's really weird in my life things, um, you know, generally flex quite a lot. So I, you know, dinners mm-hmm. don't happen at 6 PM here. They can happen at any time. I might be invited to something, yeah. where, um, you know, after chit chat, you know, hors d'oeuvres don't happen before nine. So that's really different to, you know, a day where I'm more in control of that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I generally don't eat breakfast until I'm fasted, which means I don't have breakfast in the morning. So that means my breakfast is mm-hmm. more like a brunch or a lunch. Um, that's a really cool trick, by the way. Do you know, do you know who came up with the phrase breakfast is the most important meal of the day? Uh, Kellogg's? Yeah, but it was his brother who was this weird quack doctor dude who was doing all the worst stuff you can possibly imagine on human beings. Um, and him and his brother, you know, uh, were in cahoots with each other. And yeah, so, so Henry J. Kellogg came up with breakfast is the most important meal of the day with absolutely no evidence whatsoever for that fact, apart from the fact that he was very successful in selling oats. And, and actually, oh, you know, but <laughs> if you've had a big meal, what's the worst thing that you can do to your metabolism is stuff yourself full of oats first thing in the morning when you're not fasted. So anyway, I think we, I think if you're tilling the soil, you know, and, and doing good Quakery stuff, right. Then fantastic. But, um, you know, we've got to be, we've got to be smarter than that. We, we, we sit on, sit on our butts way more now than we did when Kellogg came up with that, you know, famous phrase. Yeah. Yeah. But good that you know that I'm actually surprised you know that. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, I am so nerdy. About, I love, like, I spent the morning reading about you and listening to you talk. And I was like, I could do this forever. But I'm, I, I think this whole space is so interesting. And I do the same thing. I well, and it was so funny, because I, as a child, my mom, of course, being a good mom was always like, you have to eat breakfast, you have to eat breakfast, because she naturally wakes up super yeah. hungry. She has a high metabolism. No, it was awful. And once I became an adult, realized like I don't have to do that. Yeah, I'm the same. Well, I sometimes don't eat until like one. I think I'll move my body first. I just am not hungry. Here's the other thing that we need to be really smart about, which we're not generally, is that so many people ask folk like you and me, like you know, should I take? I don't. Should I do intermittent fasting? Okay, or should I take X, Y, and Z? And the first thing that comes to my mind is kind of well. Um, are you a child? Are you an adult? Are you adolescent? Have you just come off your, 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 your finished your menstrual cycle? Are you recovering from COVID? Do you, you know, uh, have you, um, have you recently finished chemotherapy? Are you jet lagged? Where, you know, like, what are you, what's your genetic predisposition? Are you, you know, are you, are you iron deficient anemic? There is no such thing as a 
you know, this is why we end up kind of basically saying, look, sleep eight hours a day. This is public health, something I'm interested in. Right, right, right. right. Sleep eight hours a day. Yeah. Um, eat a good balanced meal, a good balanced diet, three meals a day, lots of, you know, decent, well, nowadays, at least we're saying, let, let's have lots of olive oil rather than polyunsaturated fats. Right. Um, so, right, so, right, uh, right. um, but you know, eat, eat the right amount of this, that, and the other macros and micros. And thank goodness we're actually, you know, agreeing that you should see the sunlight. Um, and if you don't get enough, you should probably take some vid yes. and et cetera, but it's so general. Um, because it's actually mm-hmm. so complicated. And, and that's why, yeah. unless you are really lucky enough to be completely in balance, you do need a little bit mm-hmm. of help every now and then. That's why, you know, um, yeah. that's why people like you and me, I guess, have a place in the world. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. um, it, it's the fasting, the fasting piece is, has constantly baffled me as to how extraordinary, um, the profitability has been on, um, you know, basic meal, you know, nutrition and nutrition plans, as I call it, you know, like the not eating plan, um, that, you know, essentially don't work and force you back into overweight, um, almost immediately when Mm -hmm. you stop. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, amazing business. If I was ever going to, uh, you know, orientate towards pure financial upside, I would definitely come up with a really cool, catchy diet and give it a great name. Um, uh, it's al- almost certain to make you a lot of money. But yeah, um, we all know that we're eating more than we need. And then I think we're, yes. we're now saying that that's great for longevity uh, to have less. But then there's the other side of it, mm-hmm. which is that, we don't want to be frail when we're older. So that kind of all that advantage of being catabolic, being kind of in a, in a retreat type mode metabolically um, for mm-hmm. longevity mm-hmm. doesn't uh, help you build the kind of muscle mass and, and those great things um, that you really need when you're older. Uh, in order to, mm-hmm. you know, live well, live independently, uh, you know, and uh, and survive, you know, things like in viral infections and, and so forth. So um, it's interesting. Uh, or life seems to just be a compromise. You can't, you can't do anything quite right without having effect on the other side. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I lean more towards a kind of more balance between anabolic and catabolic state rather than, you know, just going for the, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the super thin calorie deficit approach personally. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing. That's an ongoing conversation. Right. Um, and I think it is, it's so bio-individual, right? Yeah. It's, it's really depends on what you need. And, and it was interesting for me because I found it when I was having a lot of like inflammatory mm-hmm. issues and within, you know, a few months, a lot of that stuff went down. It really, you know, yeah. but then I know other women who have a horrible time with it. So it's just one of those things where you have to I always tell people when I work with people, I'm like, we're doing a science experiment. Yeah, it's an N of one. Just be curious and just let, you know, you're just giving us feedback. We're going to try different things and you got to tell us what feels good. Well, yeah, Um, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it turns out that not everyone uh, looks and is inside and out, but bioidentical to Liana Nielsen or Jack Kreindler. We, you know, we, we, we are, uh, we are not a bell shaped curve. You and I, you and I, we are individuals. And, um, that's why I think clinical guidelines sort of help us look at evidence and say, in general, this is what we're seeing, mm-hmm. but then 
you've got to try stuff. Absolutely. Okay. So before we wrap things up, you have had, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm only getting just a, a, a tiny slice of all of the information. You seem to have done so many interesting, cool things in the name of science. Do you have a favorite crazy wild story that you could share with us or a fun situation where you're like, how am I doing? Why are we so cold or we're so up in the air? What is that? What what could you share with Um, us? Well, unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, (laughs) there's quite a few of them now. Um, I, 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 I don't, listen, I'm not like a TV guy who professionally tries to do completely bonkers things in order to get a following. I don't do it, but I, I, I have recently reflected mainly for preservation of life purposes. I have you know, with a nine year old daughter, I do have to kind of stay around, I think um, uh, for a bit longer. And, and I do look back and yes, uh, you mentioned the seven marathons on seven continents. That was a world record that one of our clients wanted to uh, achieve. Um, uh, not great for carbon footprint, I, I must admit, but, you know, starting in Antarctica, running a full marathon in every continent, uh, and we did it in what? 3.3 days. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. Um, so that was quite good um, as a kind of a landmark of a very, very interesting thing to do, which was somewhat crazy. The the, the recent Inspire um, research expedition to the South Pole was epic i mean we it was the largest expedition skiing to the south pole in antarctic history it turns out with 19 people wow. skiing yeah uh, nine coaster pole and 10 last degree uh, participants measuring every heartbeat every breath every movement all of our psychology and all of this throughout the every single 17 million strides worth of uh, of human endeavor at up to minus 50 degrees below zero it was yeah, I mean, really, really life-changing, or at least life-reminding, almost like, you know, it kind of resets you into what what you're here for and, um, you know, what it means to uh, to be you and, and to interact with others going through tough stuff and, and helping them. It was really amazing. But I think the, the, the most fun thing I think you mentioned before was the, the cage fight that we did for science. That, that was, that, <laughs> we, we, the BBC asked us to do a TV show, me and Professor Greg White, who you should look up. He's a very, very interesting bloke. Who, um, a dear friend who is a professor of physiology and also probably one of the greatest athletes, um, uh, now veteran athlete um, that the UK has ever produced. And um, Professor Greg and I, um, we decided to do a TV show called How to Beat Pain. And one of the things in How to Beat Pain was looking at soft tissue injuries and how to recover better from them. Mm-hmm. And um, so this was already about, oh gosh, man, this must be about oof, 10 years ago now. Um, Greg said, Jack, I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you in an ice rink. Um, can you ice skate? And I said, not really. It says, great, because you're going to be in a training match with British ice hockey and you're going to get bashed about a lot. And then we're going to, we're going to treat half of your body and not the other half and do a bunch of MRI scans to see how quickly you heal on the treated half versus the untreated. Anyway, so as it turned out, it wasn't ice hockey. I got, I got thrown into a heavyweight cage fight with a gentleman called Nick, the headhunter Chapman. Nice guy. Um, uh, yeah, and um, 107 kilos. Uh, and yes, I was. Uh, this is all on. This is you can you can Google this. Uh, I, I I was in a cage fight with him for several minutes, um, and I I did receive some fairly uh, 
substantial injuries, <laughs> um, unsurprisingly. <laughs> um, and uh, we did treat half of my body and not the other half. Um, and so, I mean, and, and, and demonstrated that, you know, rest, ice, compression and elevation, at least some parts of it do actually help. But, you know, this is less, yeah, less to do with real science, but more to do with communication. I think that's, you know, part of my mm-hmm. life is, is that I love to make complex things a little bit simpler and preferably not so serious. Cause I think with a bit of, a bit of lightheartedness uh, and a bit of humor, people remember stuff better. Yes. Um, and that's kind of why uh, I think for instance, the South pole work will be remembered because it is kind of bonkers what we did, but how else are you going to prove that female physiology outperforms male in hyper endurance environments? It turns out that women lose far less muscle mass than men. But if we just did that, you know, cycling in a cold fridge for 40 days, 50 days, no one would remember it. We did it going to the South Pole, so I'm sure someone will. (laughs) Oh, my God. I want to ask so many more questions about that, but that will be like a whole other podcast. (laughs) But, of course, women are stronger. You heard it here first. (laughs) News news to no one. News to no one. Um, I mean, I love all everything, truly. And the whole, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think having fun with, you know, information and especially healing is such a better way to, it can be such a heavy, serious yeah. topic. And, and, and being unwell is so hard that if you can have a sense of humor about it, like that going goes back to sort of the sex, drugs and rock and roll, I think you heal faster. I agree. Um, and I'd, I'd rather have a lot of smiles on my face and learn the same stuff than be uh, bored senseless. That's something I very much remember from my chemistry teacher, Mr. Shidlow, who's now really famous, Andrew Shidlow. You should look him up. He's a, one of the world's most famous uh, educators on things that go bang. Fire, fireworks, explosives, <laughs> anything that goes bang, he's the master of. But he made, he made science so much fun that and so creative in the way that he taught it that for me, he kind of wrapped up that sort of sense of creativity and the joy of science um, and, you know, just making it more memorable. And we do have to make better effort in doing the kind of podcasts, for instance, that you're doing um, and just teaching science and medicine in a way that's more accessible and just, you know, put smiles on our faces. hundred percent agree. Yeah. It makes it a lot more fun. Well, I am, eternally grateful for you sharing your time with us. I really am so inspired by you and what you're doing. I cannot wait for your book. So you better get oh, writing because you have all okay. sorts of spare time. It okay, sounds like okay. the clock is the clock. <laughs> the clock now officially starts ticking. Okay. Got it. Liana. I'll, and I'll, I'll get you, I'll get you to help me on that one. Maybe. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. We'll write a book. Sounds Don't great. And I hope to see you in Portugal soon. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for having me. Really appreciate it. Love Through It is hosted by Liana Nielsen and produced by me, Claire Burns. If you're interested in working with Liana as a client or hiring her to lead a workshop or be a contributor, you can contact her through her website, healthybyliana.com on Instagram at healthybyliana or email, and you guessed it, healthybyliana at gmail.com.